Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're no strangers to beer. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we're reading The Stranger, or in French, L'Etranger. Yeah, sure, why not? By <laughs> Albert Camus, or in French, Camus. <laughs> <laughs> and Nate's starting with a beer. So this book is kind of mainly Bad. a philosophy book, because as a novel, it's really not very good. So anyway, so, but as a philosophy book, would you say it has nuances of meaning? <laughs> <laughs> this is I think that's all it is. <laughs> nuances of meaning, IPA, by... Who the fuck is this by? Uh, the fuck does that say? <laughs> <laughs> Just like... We're not going to be able to read The rest then. of the book. Brewed and canned by... Aslin Beer Co., Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah, sure. Okay. A-S-L-I-N. Oh, that's a, that's a new brewery for us. They're strangers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. And uh, it's a perfectly fine IPA. Not amazing, but, you know, it, uh, it's good. It's a West Virginia 10 or whatever the fuck they use. Definitely. Regular Virginia 8. Is there a particular reason we're doing this? Other words, it's just because we're supposed to it's read a classic, this book baby. at some point. Because, Mike, oh. you said, hey, is there another short book we can do oh, next yeah. week? <laughs> and like every other time I've asked that question, I regret it. This puts the ass in classic because uh, it sucks and it came out of an ass. Which, well, it's interesting. Asses don't do both of those. Well, maybe. Um, depends on what you're paying. But anyway, so <laughs> The Stranger came out you know, in French. Um, so whatever. Le Stranger. And uh, you just 19 said stranger with a French accent. <laughs> that's what that's what Nate said. <laughs> Prove me wrong. It came out in 1942 by Albert Camus, who didn't he, he didn't oh no he made it to 1960. Okay, so he was relatively young when he wrote this, still developing his philosophy crap. And um, it was it came out in 1942. It is the second worst thing to happen in 1942 besides World War II and the Holocaust. Tied for first, <laughs> and then this book is the next place. Close runner-up. <laughs> it's the miscongeniality of terrible things. Uh, so the main character is, I'm going to fuck up all the French Marceau. pronunciations of names. I'm going to say, Mer- I was going to say Marceau. Okay. Yeah, you're good. And he is a, I guess he's a white guy. He's a French guy in Algeria. Yes. They're in Algiers. Uh, I believe so. I always just pictured it's Camus. It's Albert Camus himself. Yeah. He's, just, he's a very tan white guy in Algeria. Well, it's fucking North Africa. Like, you're going to get a tan. Yeah. Or he's very red. <laughs> he's got skin cancer. But I thought, I thought it was pretty clear that he was not a native or a local because they're referred to everyone who's not white as an Arab. Yes, and uh, they do. They don't even get names. <laughs> they're just Arab number one. <laughs> Arab number two. And it starts off with one of the famous opening lines of literature, which is, prepare yourself for a shitty book. Now it says, mother died today, or maybe yesterday. According what to the fuck? Depends on your translation. Oh, is it, what, is, what else could that be translated? Mine, mine said, maman, which is <laughs> France, for, France, French for like, ma. Okay, but the rest of the sentiment, I'm sure, is pretty much the same. No, the rest of it was the same, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a mom died today. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> the, the, the version I read was translated more, I think, within the last 15, 20 years. And the guy was like, the big classic ones, they like made it, you know, they tried to gussy it up with the translations. And I just chose to use the words that Camus used and let his words speak for it instead of like trying to make it sound more like the, the try, try, you know, there's a translation. You're trying to get, get the point across or you just, be very direct. He tried to be very direct. Mm. He could have just not done it. Um, <laughs> just put it directly into the not read pile. Uh, so that's an op- you know, as an opening line, his mother dies, and he's like, she died today or yesterday. And that um, detachment is important, I guess. But he then goes on immediately to explain it's because, I guess I got the telegram, so I'm not really sure if she died today or yesterday. But he doesn't really care. He's like, oh, well, she's dead. He doesn't um, care about I much. Go, I have to go sit at her, you know, uh, wake, because they have some sort of weird thing. I used to stay awake. I had to make overnight wake. 
It's like a wake shiva combination. It it remind I don't uh, maybe it's just a French thing, but it reminded me of the Jewish thing of someone has to stay with the body until burial. That's shiva, yeah. And then um, that, that's what it like. I was like, oh, is he Jewish? But I uh, did not know. Anyway, so he uh, he goes he goes to like the town where his mom still lives. Or she lived, even though she had been in an old, she had been in a, uh, yeah, an old folks home and, but she had died. And when she, when they get there, the main thing is, is that Merceau, he just doesn't care that much, which is going to be very important later. All these details that I did not bother to keep track of at the beginning, apparently. So they ask him like, do you want to see the body? Do you want us to open the casket so you can see the body one more time? And he's like, no. And they ask her, how old was she? He's like 60-something. Old. Yeah. <laughs> old he was enough. old. And then when he's like sitting with the body in the casket, but the casket's not open, he sits and smokes a cigarette and has a cup of coffee with the like attendant dude, which was apparently very... Insensitive, though Gosh. they're French. I thought they just smoked all the time. <laughs> yeah, there's a cigarette, there's a lit cigarette in the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> no, so this is heat. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of like doesn't care. They have the funeral like the next day or later that day, whatever it is. And he also is like, eh, "Well, that was a uh, oops. That was a thing." And just kind of doesn't care. My my favorite thing of the funeral, vigil, the vigil scene, is um, this. They, they have to stay up all night, and you're like, "How do you stay up all night?" That sounds, you know, with a dead person. I guess it's creepy, but this seemingly innocuous line, I think I figured out what it really means. It says, "The keeper took me to his room, and I tidied myself up a bit. He gave me some more white coffee." In quotes, in my version, it's like, "Oh, they were just doing blow to stay up all night," <laughs> but it literally says "white" in quotations, coffee. <laughs> Either it's cocaine or he blew that guy. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Coffee with a lot of milk in it? I mean, probably. But it's... <laughs> I don't sugar? like to think that they, they were just doing... sweet? They were just Maybe the hitting some bumps calm. in between <laughs> shifts. It was calm. Yeah, it was obviously calm. Salt coffee. So then uh, uh, then his biggest problem... Is he realizes like his boss was annoyed that he had to go to his mom's funeral. And he comes back. He's like, oh, I see now why he was annoyed. Because my mom died on like a Thursday... So I get the weekend. two days off for that, and then the weekend. Apparently, his boss is is American. Yeah, <laughs> so you're going to make up the, 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 this file on by Tuesday, right? You're uh, going to answer all those emails on Saturday night, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we have an important clients meeting. So then he gets back home, um, and he hooks up with his uh, his. I guess it's not his girlfriend yet. But no. She quickly becomes his girlfriend. So he goes to the Marie. beach the next day and he sees Marie and he's like, oh, that girl that used to work in the office, the same office as me for a little bit. We liked each other, but, you know, we just didn't have time. But now that she's, now I'm, she's at the beach and she wants me. And now that mom's dead, I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's literally the day after his mom's funeral. He hooks up, he meets up with her. They have a date, and he porks her, and never mentions like, "Oh, my mom, I, my mom just died." Yeah, you know, I think might he, be does. A he tells sorts. her. Does he? Yeah, but it doesn't seem to phase her because he got that that good dong. But they go to the beach, and you know what you feel down at the beach sometimes? A sea breeze. <laughs> oh fuck me! Did you see that? Oh god, I need that form. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is from Evil Twin. This is Evil Water. Marshmallow Sea Breeze, which I think I've had the other three of this four pack on the show at some point. This is from like July 2020. <laughs> <It's> Jesus. <Jeez. laughs> you know what? It gets better every time. Because the years first ago. one I had was like terrible. The first one was. This is. Like Hell, it could be things. three years ago at the rate this episode comes out. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Two years old at the time of drinking. Does, how does seltzer uh, age? Gracefully, apparently, because mm-hmm. it tastes fine. Okay. It's just sugar water. Yeah, it's really not much it's like to when worry you find about. an old box of Surge and you're like, yes, it's still good. <laughs> I could still get that cancer. <laughs> so then they hang out at the beach and then he bangs her. And then uh, he, he starts meeting his neighbors. You mean his neighbor, Ray. Everybody loves that guy, Raymond. 
and uh, and he's like, I think Raymond's a pimp. It's like, I can't quite tell the strength of his pimp hand, but I think he has one. And uh, Raymond, eventually, he's like, I have a problem. So there's this girl. Let's just say she's a hoe. And (laughs) she's not listening, and I have to rough her up. What do you think I should... It was his girlfriend that he right. one of his one of his girlfriends that girlfriend was, uh, she's my bottom bitch that he yeah. accused of uh of messing around on him with really no evidence other than she sold a bracelet he's like i've been paying a lot of money to keep her in her in her apartment and yeah money for cigarettes so he beat her up and now her brother is pretty pissed off well there's this weird thing where where raymond says Will you write a letter to her so that she comes over here? So he does. Even though I, I also wasn't sure if he really actually knew Raymond well. Did he know him well? Or he's just like, hey, this is a dude. And then he didn't know him very within well. It, within no. a day, he's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll write this, this letter. And then meanwhile, when, because uh, he's like, lives in the same building as Merceau or next, like literally next door. So at one point when, maybe when Marie is over, or maybe when he's just there by himself, he lit, he clearly hears through the wall, like him just beating, uh, Raymond beating this girl, whatever her name is. Does she even get a name? I don't no. remember. Arab girl. Yeah. Jane Doe. They mentioned, like he says, he told me her name, and I could tell by her name that she was a Moor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, she doesn't oh, have, okay. right? she doesn't get a name. Yeah. Okay. So, tell me no more about her. I don't know. Yeah, he's, she's just French, described so as, that's a Moor. <laughs> his arab mistress um and he clearly beats her and then the police come and then you know because he, he beat her uh and the police say like oh and raymond says oh can you be a character witness for me so he, so Marceau goes down at the police station and says yeah she was cheating on him and so the police like let raymond go or just let him go with a warning God like damn the police bitches. are basically like, well, uh, I guess she deserved it because this guy said so. He didn't even say like with me, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? like no evidence. He's like, yeah, I hit it. <laughs> and the police are like, all right, get out of here, bitch. Back to these donuts. But he's still uh, so Merceau is They're also seeing Marie oh, yeah, all the true. time. <laughs> a- Eclairs. Cronuts. Uh, Mar- Marceau is also seeing uh, Marie all the time, and Marie is like, "I love you. Will you marry me?" And and he's like, "I sure. guess, but I don't love you because he has Whatever. like no strong feelings." Now, Very passive. Even though the book is supposed to be about how like life has no meaning, there's another way you could have read this part. At least in the beginning, was just that he is just clinically depressed. <laughs> He could have just been clinically depressed, and that's why he has no like His strong mom just fucking affect died. about like, do you him. love me? And he's like, I don't know. He, he, like, really, that's what it would be today if you wrote this book today. It would go, oh, uh, he, he's uh, he's yeah. still in mourning for his mother, even though he acts like he didn't care about his mother. But and you would say that he's being a little bitch. You should get over it. <laughs> Like but I think you flower. could also read this as he's like <laughs> oh, right, <yeah. laughs> his his responses are like comical, you know, cliche autistic responses. Like when she's like, Will you marry me? He's like, Okay. He's like, Would you say that to any girl? I was like, Yes. Okay. If they were nice ladies and I saw three yellow cars. Like he just gives he's like, whatever. Yeah, okay. Just rolling with it. And then, but he says things that's not just for that fast, facile autistic joke, but seriously, when he's like, she asked me if I loved her. I said that sort of question had no meaning really, but I suppose I didn't. She looked sad for a bit, but when we were out getting lunch, she brightened up and started laughing. Like that's like the detached descriptions of human emotions that only Spock makes, (laughs) right? (laughs) Most, most curious. She seems to be enthralled by hearing the I love you phrase. It means nothing to me, but I will say it nonetheless. <laughs> he's he just doesn't give a fuck about anything. And it would have been great to have like a little more character development in the beginning if we're supposed to know that he represents Camus' philosophy of absurdism. But you don't get any of that, so you just think he's an asshole, right? He's just like he's just a fucking weird dude. 
Like when his mom dies, at one point he says afterwards, I have to go back to work on Monday, and we buried, uh, mother was buried, and tomorrow I'm going back to work as usual. Really, nothing in my life has changed. <laughs> he just doesn't care. He's not it. wrong. <laughs> but it, well, it, I mean, because he had put her in a home, so I guess nothing happened, nothing changed for him in that way. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, well, once we get to the end, we'll, it'll makes more sense. It's just, the point is that people are angry that he's not reacting the way that society says he has to react. And so he is a monster. We also, then there's a guy who lost his dog. His dog the was The shittiest scabies. dog in the world. The who dog's like, like covered in third degree burns. Yeah. <laughs> but he like yells at his dog and like beats his dog. This is another neighbor in the building, like beats his dog. But then when the dog his neighbors are always dealing with bitches. <laughs> <laughs> when his dog like disappears, uh-huh. like possibly runs away. You know, the man is so sad. Even though he acted like he hated the dog. Dog was all he had, though. Well, he said, I, was, I got that dog after my, my wife died of plot, and I <laughs> needed to feel something. And then fucking... You fucked that dog. Merceau was like, <laughs> all right, you going to finish that baguette? Like, he didn't give a shit about the story. I do. There's another scene, though, with the pimp guy when he... Doesn't he... Doesn't he um, cook blood pudding for um he makes, he makes sausages he's a, he's a pimp he's like here how about some sausage the the foreshadowing is dick shaped foods <laughs> <laughs> and Can then we have a little bit of sausage dessert <laughs> he just keeps like ostentatiously putting the, the sauce like the blood pudding sausage in a, in a hot dog bun he's like see what i'm doing here sausage <laughs> and put it in there in the bun yeah you know? sort of that's what i do the it ain't easy if you know what I mean, this job. Uh, it's hard out here for a person who does what I do. <laughs> so Raymond calls Merceau at work and says, hey, new girl. Or no, he, he's like, uh, and some friends, we're going down to the beach. We're going to our little like beach house thing uh, this weekend or tomorrow or Sunday or whatever day it was. And, uh, and would you like to come? And so Merceau says, well, I was supposed to meet Marie on Sunday. Oh, well, she can come too. Okay, great. So they go down to the like beach house thing. You know, it's, they got a lot of beach. It's North Africa. They got plenty of beach. Uh, they go down to the, they go into the beach. And then and because but on the they're way, French, he's very into beaches. <laughs> That's the theme of the book. <laughs> but on the way, he sees three Arabs and who, uh, and Raymond says, oh, so what, Raymond says that one of the three Arabs is the brother of the girl that he beat, his his mistress or former mistress or current mistress, who knows? Uh, with Working them. girl. Yeah. And he's like, oh, we better watch out for them. And they just kind of keep walking down the street and then they go to the beach. And then when they're at the beach, at the beach, they get in a fight with the with them. And then and Raymond gets like, Slashed, slashed with a knife, like in his face, his mouth. He's he almost like, gets like a, like like a Joker. He almost gets like Joker, yeah, fish hooked. Yeah. So they lose that. Just gonna, yeah, they, they like, they, they can, but they don't like lose. They don't like totally lose, but they do like get slashed with the knife. But then, uh, even they, they don't just they like go home fixed up. Uh, they go back to the beach house where he gets some bandages and gets plaster put in his face mouth wound, which I don't understand what that was. But uh, plaster, so then, depending on the translation, plaster is not what they just call like a band aid. Oh, and, yeah, uh, it's, it's possible. Uh, that makes more sense. I don't think they put like, he wasn't, wasn't making a mold of it, <laughs> like, a, like a cast. <laughs> Got a broken can, cheek. Can you sign my mouth? <laughs> so then he turns out that uh, Raymond has, uh, has, has brought some stuff to the beach with him. Um, he didn't use it, but he's got it. He brought a gun, so he's packing some. Firepower? <laughs> yeah. This is, is Firepower uh, from the Deep Fried Beers series from Alewife. And it is 8% double IPA. That's twice the IPA in one. It's a lot of firepower. It's good. It's, uh, if, if you haven't had this and you were to imagine what it would be like, you're probably right. Picture an IPA. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bitterer than usual on the tail end of it, but yeah, it's solid. 
it's not incredibly strong flavored, but it's nice because it's hot in here. We can't have the fans or air conditioning on while we record. So, um, speaking of old men blowing Nate, <laughs> sometimes things cost money, <laughs> and some people give us money. <laughs> Now you got to keep the transition. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Does it have to make sense? <laughs> you know what you could do with your money after you've had your fun? If there's whatever's left over, you could help support the podcast with by heading over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club, where you can get early access to episodes, get exclusive content, vote in your monthly book poll, get shouted out, join us for our live episodes, which this episode was recorded when it, excuse me, when this episode is released, there has been a live episode sometime before or after it because we have no idea when this is coming out. Or both. Or bo- well, it, hopefully both, actually, yeah. Uh, and, and other things, too. So head over there, patreon.com slash Drunk Guys Book Club if you want to help us out. Or you could also help us out by uh, not being a stranger to the review websites and uh, leaving us a review wherever you're listening. Just give it five stars, one for... Uh, each time they refer to the group of native people as Arabs in this book, and I'll get you at least a five, and then another yeah. uncomfortable 47 after that. So, Merceau asks Raymond for his gun, like, give me your gun, and then... Don't do anything stupid with it. Yeah, and then goes ba- back out on the beach, and it's and he's like, but it's hot out. It's like, it's so hot. I mean, it's Africa. It's, it's hot. So, he goes on the beach, and he happens to see one of the Arab dudes... It's that the guy, had, had it's attacked the him before. They see the brother just literally lying on the beach, just sunning himself, just like relaxing, I guess. And so uh, the, the, the brother sees Merceau, and then Merceau takes his gun out, and then the brother gets up and takes his knife out, and it's like the sun is so hot that Merceau is like, I'm too hot, and then he shoots him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shoots him once. And then shoots him four more times. So he's like definitely dead. And then that's the end of part one. He obviously gets arrested and stuff like that. This is, it's a book that's weirdly structured like a, you know, Greek play, whereas like the rising action rises to the very middle because it was literally exactly 50%. And then there's like a second half. And, uh, but it's also not good. So, of a lengthy, like, court prison segment where all of the people in the first half will testify against him, like the last episode of Seinfeld. They'll all come out and say what a piece of shit he was. Well, he had a lot of friends come out and say what a nice guy he was, too. Oh, yeah. A lot of good that does. But the weird part is, of course, that the trial isn't really about whether or not he killed the guy. He admits he's like, I killed him. Mostly, it's about... How he's such a dickhead because he didn't wasn't sad about when his mom died. So there's a lot of stuff about the lawyers. And first, like they're like they're like, oh well, if you don't provide a lawyer for yourself, we one will be provided for you. So I guess they had that Supreme Court case in France as well. Miranda writes or whatever. No, this was the Gideon. Oh, that you get a um... Gideon case. Gideon versus Arizona? Is that, the, is no. that where they put Bibles in everybody's uh, hotel room? I have no idea what anyone's talking about. Uh, this, uh, this Supreme Court case, uh, which was, I think, in the 60s. The 50s? No, in the 60s is the one that said, if you don't have a lawyer in a criminal case, the one will be provided for you by the state. But apparently France already did that in the 1940s. And this is Algeria under the Vichy French. Where were they free at this point? 42? This, yeah, though it, it clearly had, there was no mention of the war. Even though it came yeah. out in 1942, there was no invent, uh, mention of the war whatsoever. It's a fictional time. Yeah. Probably before the war. That's my guess. Anyway, so they already had that. Anyway, so he has his lawyer, and the, and the lawyer is like, oh, you're probably going to be acquitted. Or and it didn't really, I really was like, why would he be acquitted? He shot him, and he admitted he shot him. Maybe there would be some defense like, you know, he had a knife. They attacked us, and now he had a knife, so I had to defend myself, or at least that's what they would, that's the defense that would be used in Florida if this was in Florida, but it wasn't. Also, he's white, and the other guy's not. True, so he'd definitely get acquitted. <laughs> but then the defense, but then the prosecution, and there's like the court goes to this court scene for a really long time, 
and the court and he's basically being that the the prosecution is like he is a terrible person you can tell because he didn't care when his mother died and he like smoked a cigarette sitting there with her body and he went to see the movies the next day and saw a boob you should kill him and after a long long court scene they do they decide like yes not only are you guilty but you're going to be executed by guillotine. Literally, we're going to chop your head off. They were still doing that until like the 60s in France. I think it was the 70s, or at least that's what I've heard. Sweet. Do they still like hold the head up? Like, suck le bleu, or whatever the fuck they say. Hold it up to the whole crowd. Yeah, I think think they stopped being public like around the war, but they kept doing them. And they all just smoked, just chain smoked afterwards. They let the head smoke. Wearing striped shirts and berets. That's all I could picture. They stuck the cigarette into the exposed trachea underneath. That's how you had his last draw. (laughs) (laughs) Or I guess into the stump of the body. That's where the lungs would be. But without the, yeah. Hopefully, if he was French, his body would just like instinctively inhale when it knew a cigarette was near. (laughs) When they cut the head off, a puff of smoke came out of his lungs. (laughs) (laughs) So he's sentenced to be killed, but that we're not even close to the end of the book yet because then there's no. several really boring chapters about... First, there's one about just kind of like life in prison and about he like sort of comes to realize, oh, yeah, well, he doesn't I'm get really until the end. The trial is there. Yeah. And then, I mean, then he's sentenced. And then the basically, it's, I think it's the last chapter. The last chapter starts with, I, you know, I wouldn't... I already didn't see the chaplain two or three times. Like I already told him to go away, but this time I was in my cell and the chaplain comes and with the chap, and he's like, Oh no. And the chaplain says, Oh no, I'm just here on my own. Turns out it was actually cause it was his last day, but uh, he lied about that. Isn't lying a sin. Um, and then the chaplain basically tries to convince him and the prosecutor had the same thing too. Like the chaplain tries to convince him, dude, don't you believe in God? And, uh, Marceau was like, no, I don't believe in God. I think it's all, I think it's all useless. And, and the, the chaplain and or the prosecutor earlier in the book are like, but, but God is what gives life meaning and all kinds of stuff like that. And you, you just have to accept Jesus into your heart. And Marceau was like, no, get the fuck out. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And so he doesn't. And then he like has a fight with the, with the chaplain and then he leaves. All those people talking a lot, uh, spewing a lot of bullshit. Pretty, pretty big windbags, you would say, right? It's like they ate a whole lot of cabbages. <laughs> <laughs> this is cab patches from other half, which is clearly cabbages, uh, which is a 7% alcohol IPA. It's like the lightest thing I've had from other half in a long time. Cabbages. That's what I'm going for. God damn, that's delicious. That is better than any. Doesn't taste at all like cabbage. Zero notes of cabbage mm. or Brussels sprouts or anything. Than that the basil beer we had then. The, the crazy salad yeah. <laughs> was that for like to kill a mockingbird? I forget. Uh, no, this is a, this is a fantastic, um, fantastic. I love this. If cabbage tasted like this, I would, I'd be more regular. Cabbage doesn't taste like much. It's just it's like a lot of chewing, a lot of a lot of effort to get nothing out of it. I mean, that's why it's good for you. It's, it's not like he's eating processed cheese product where you just inhale it and like there's seven thousand calories for you. Uh, so this is great. This is from Green City's the, the Green City series, which there's another one coming up. Whatever year this episode comes out, <laughs> this is 2022. One. Before and after. And just to remind you that Patreon, you could help send us back to it. Because if what the, the world needs more of is us day drinking <laughs> in a crowd. Blacking out in new and exciting locations. All right. So um, he basically, he gets in like an argument with the chaplain. And it's like, he's like, no. The main thing he says is like, we're all going to die. So there's no point. And... And the priest is like, have you heard about child sex? And it, that was, maybe that was a different version. Um, what, what translation that was, is that? 
don't mean. talk to the stranger. Uh, but <laughs> they say, like, there's no, there's no fucking point. We're all going to die. We're all, I may be getting executed, but you're going to die too. Fuckhead. So these, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist. And then he's like, then we get some sort of like full circle thing where Merceau is thinking about his mom when he's alone in jail. It's a weird place to think about that. Because <laughs> like one of his big grievances with jail is that he can't keep banging Marie. So That's he's, true. He's backed up. And there's been a stranger in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't remember what happens anymore because then I had to go stop just reading kind of this to read yeah, the other book. It really book does just kind of end. Ends before his he mom gets executed. And then says... Uh, for the first time in that night, alive with signs and stars, I opened myself to the gentle indifference of the world. Finding it so much like myself, so like a brother, really, I felt that I had been happy and that I was happy again. Oh, And then okay. that's literally the second to last sentence of the book. And it, I, only, I had help? only to wish that there be a large crowd of spectators the day of my execution and that they greet me with cries of hate. Literally, period, the end, end of the book. And then it ends. And so he's saying, like, you know, I just accepted that life is, life is meaningless, we're all going to die, and I was happy. But he wants to be hated on. It's like Cat Williams, remember that guy? <laughs> yes. He had a bit about how hater, haters are going to hate so you want haters to hate on you because that means you're doing your job well. And he's like, if you hate, I don't know when to hate on, hate on me, motherfucker, was his like whole thing. Because uh, that meant you're doing well. But I don't think that's quite what's happening here. But that's the only other time I've heard of anyone saying, I want to be hated, besides like emo children. And Voldemort, goth kids. And they're like, you don't get me. I'm too dark and edgy. I've been edgy all day. Making white coffee. <laughs> That's where they got all that white face paint. Fresh paint. I got a fresh pot. It's brewing. So yeah, that was the end Coarse of the book. Coarse ground. <laughs> so that was the end of the book. It was a pretty short book. So what was it about? It's a, it's Camus' thing. And this is, I, this is probably his most famous work, or at least the one no, I, I was. I had heard of, you know, even when I was a kid. Because I had to read it, some of it. Anyway, so this is Camus, basically, as a philosopher saying, you know, life has no meaning, which is what he called absurdism. Like, life is absurd because there is no meaning to life, but go on anyway. That's kind of his, like, his main thing. But this is, this book right here is really, like, the whole, like, French stereotype of, like, oh, life is shit, no one cares. <laughs> like, literally, it's really all just satire of Camus, like, all of that. And, like, when uh, uh, Robin Williams would do his, like, whole, like, oh, life is shit, oh, you see baby smoking? Does that make you angry? That's really what he's talking about. He's talking about Camus. It's, like, really, like, this book. But, and then, but so, uh, and then uh, Camus was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature, only a couple of years, years after this. Later. About 15 years later. 15 years later. There you go. But he, but when he was awarded it, he was only 46. And then died. <laughs> he died only, he died in 1960, yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He was 44. Uh, I, I didn't carry something, right? Uh, <laughs> he was 44 when he got the Nobel Prize in Literature, and he was the second youngest. Who the fuck got it younger? <laughs> I don't know. But he got the... Um, it, was, it must have been a light year. I don't know why the fuck they gave this guy the Lifetime Achievement Award for writing literature when he basically just wrote philosophical treatises cloaked in the barest bit of story possible. I mean, he did also write some essays, but his most famous things are definitely these novels that were this one and The Plague, which we did back during The Plague. And that was trash. Like that ended. <laughs> yeah, well, it's still the plague, but you know, <laughs> people just gave a shit about it back then. Yeah. Uh, so, as a novel, it really isn't very good. Nope. It really just like the characters. Okay, 
my thing is that like the characters that have very little development, you know, like even like the main, like Merceau, he's the main character and you don't get even a lot about him except that he doesn't care about things, which does not make a very engaging book. <laughs> and then <laughs> you get only like, you, I don't think, you know, Marie, you only like, he just shows up at the beach and then immediately bangs her. And then like, that's it. It's like, there's no, there was no like conflict there. There was, I mean, not conflict. There was no like tension. It was just like, uh, Oh, and she was there. Great. And she's immediately like, Oh, I love you after one day. And, it's like, wait, there's no, like, conflict there. There's no tension there. And also, she really b- doesn't even say anything. And then you meet Raymond, who really, there's no, like, backstory about him at all, except, like, yeah, he was a dude, and we hung out and once, and I said we're pals, and then I helped him, like, beat his mistress, and then I, I shot a guy a for him. You know, or at least, like, kind of because of him. But he doesn't get very much character development. And that's the first half. And then the second half is this, like, Raymond court scene. gets the most character development because he was a pimp. We know his job. There you go. But not very much. We don't know anything much. else about it. So he gets some rather than none. But it's still not, like, still not enough to, like, care. Oh, no, no. And then I mean, the second half is all about the trial. But the problem is it's, like, very... Like, the sort of, like, I mean, you're sure it's France and not America, but it's like, that's not how trials work. <laughs> like, what are you doing? That's not what it is. That's not what it, he, sure, that wasn't quite the point of the book or anything, but still, it kind of went on for a long time, and I guess it sort of mattered in the plot, but still <laughs> wasn't interesting. And then at the no. end, he just, like, decides that life is, he has the, you know, the, the argument with the priest and decides life is meaningless, and then there's no actual, no real resolution. He just says, yeah, and I just accepted that life has no meaning, period, the end. That's not a good, like, you know, dramatic ending. It just kind of ends, like life. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Yeah. Anyway, so as a, like, book you're going to read, like, for fun, I guess, or to, like, a, you know, I'm going to read a novel, it's really not good. No, this is not the kind of thing you just read unless you're, you know, you wear a scarf year-round and you because it's cold smoke out? European cigarettes, but you live in fucking Brooklyn. <laughs> like, you don't just read The Stranger. I have learned the hard way. Well, so when I was in my fourth year French class in high school, we were, I guess, technically had learned... Some French by then, so <laughs> actually in third year French, we had to read <laughs> The Little Prince in French, yeah. Little the Prince, and even that was like very difficult, you know, we had to look up, we had to spend a lot of time with that French-English dictionary to like have any idea about what was going on, and then we still didn't know because it's a weird book, but then in the fourth year French, literally we all got copies of The L'Etranger, and like re- we read in line, like I really tried. I remember really trying to read it in French and I had no fucking idea what was going on. It's because nothing was going on. I now know that reading, now that I'm a better reader, I'm like, oh, this book is just stupid. That's why <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. And that like, oh. even if I was like kind of translating it in my head enough, it was still weird. Like, there's no, like, it would have been a better idea to just read Harry Potter in French. At least we oh, would yeah. have, like, gotten something out of that because we, like, you know, knew something about Harry Potter and stuff happens. So, this anyway, kind of- uh, we really made it through probably chapter two, I'm thinking. But that's about it. And it was hard. It was really hard. Once I got to the chapter with the Moors and your teacher in New Hampshire to explain what a black person was, it got really awkward. <laughs> so they were like, let's just move on, next book. But this is that, that's a fucking bad idea, right? Because this is the kind of book that you're supposed to read and then digest and be like, that's what he's speaking about. 
But when you're a high school student reading in another language, the and best it, you can hope for... at a reading level, that was way too advanced. Although, yeah. it's, it's not... I don't know, at least my translation, it's not like a super difficult reading level. But as an adult, a native English speaker, it's not a difficult reading level for me. But as a, like... I, you know, I couldn't, like, converse with, a, like, a second grader in French, you know? So... It was way too difficult, way too difficult. Well, yeah, oftentimes we think like writing styles are simple. There you go, like Hemingway or whoever. Like the simple sentences are short and simple, but they could have like complicated constructions in there that as a person reading it in another language, you're like, oh, well, this is the past perfect progressive tense, but with a fucking really weird, um, you know, prepositional phrase in there. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to do any of that, you know, so that's a stupid as hell, but like, you're not supposed to just read this book and be like, that was a nice story. That was not Camus thing. You're supposed to read this and then think, ah, uh, life is shit. <laughs> you're not <laughs> supposed to think, you're supposed to think and, and asking high school students to do that in another language is stupid. I'm no French educator, but that's stupid. They should have, it should have made you read Goosebumps. <laughs> like, just like, Even that would have been difficult. <laughs> Le Goosebumps. Sort of because like. my French was that bad. But like, again, like, we've, talked, we've had this conversation about like, making kids read classics. Like, if you want kids to read, you want them to be successful. Right? So have them read a thing that they can manage. This is clearly some fucking French nerd. It's like, I love Camus and French because I'm a snob. Which might be redundant. Um, and <laughs> let me let me thrust this into the children. And the chaplain was like, hey, wait for me. Um, what do you think, Jimmy? I read this a few years ago, and I did not get it. And then I read it again this week, and I didn't get it again. Uh, but then I looked it up, and I figured out what it was about. And then I, I actually kind of liked it. I, I, once, once I understood what he was trying to do, it made it immeasurably easier to understand. Because if you just go in here blind and you don't know anything about like Camus' philosophies of life or absurdism, there's, you're not going to guess that. You just think, this is a weird book. I don't get it. But then I found it. <laughs> the first essay I found about what it was about... Uh, I read it and I was like, oh yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And it's like, this was written by uh, this high school student, this boarding school. I was like, oh God. Okay, this child got it better than me, but whatever. Um, well, but, they had a yeah. teacher who told them what it was about first. Yes. yes. That or that it was actually plagiarized. That and when they, when they buy their way into an Ivy League, they'll have another teacher that does the same thing. Well, they're just going to take some pictures of them on a rowing machine and <laughs> Photoshop them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, after I figured out, not, not figured out, after I was told by a child what the book was about, um, <laughs> I, actually, I actually liked it, and it made a lot more sense. And I don't know, it, maybe not, not just because of the absurdist shit, but just because it's about how people get pissed off when you don't act the way you're supposed to, even if you're not hurting anybody, if you just don't do the things that society tells you is the right way to react to things. People are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're a monster. Just because like, oh, yeah, my mom died. That's sad. I'm not going to like mope. A hot lady wants to bang me. I'm going to bang her. Like, oh, okay, cool. Do what you want to do, dude. And you went, and he, one of the things at the trial is that the movie they went to was a comedy. Yeah. Oh, That's my God. not allowed. Fucking monster. But it was French, so it probably wasn't very funny. <laughs> it's just Jerry Lewis. But <laughs> Jimmy, couldn't, you, couldn't it be fair to say if you had to read the book twice? And then be explicitly told what he was trying to say or do before you could understand what he was trying to say. It's not a very good book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could be said of anything that's complicated, right? But there are things that are, I mean, I guess there's a different, the distinction between complicated and complex, right? So complex is like idea. there's a lot of shit going on. Like a Bach fugue is complex, right? The, the intricacies there are incredible. But you could listen to it and get a lot out of it. Whereas complicated is more like a tangled knot of shit where you can't get it. Like it's it's impossible to get all of it there, or it's really, really difficult to get it. Hmm. You know, and and so 
if it's really complex, you could be snobby for sure, or you could just learn, you have an acquired taste, like you like jazz or something. Well, it could but, also be that he wrote this book at a time when he was just writing shit, like, and he was mainly, I mean, this is a, this is a famous thing because it's a book and people don't read essays because, you know, they're boring. But he was because uh, nobody reads those part yeah. of the Playboy. He's into writing articles mostly. He's um, also writing this at a time when millions of people are dying. Yeah, for reasons that are ultimately like pretty stupid. Like this absurdism thing well, for us is theme. outdated and old, but like at the time was a thing that people were. It was more commonplace. Like people knew about it. Well, it, resp- it kind of makes sense to like coming out of World War One and then going into World War Two. The idea that like life is fucking crazy meaninglessness makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes sense to now today too. But like, it wouldn't Especially have made sense to suggest. Then. It wouldn't have made sense to suggest that in any other time before 1919. Basically, the idea like life is life has no meaning. People found meaning. People were deeply religious, whatever. But. It's like, wait a second, millions of people could just die for stupid reasons? All right, I guess and like this, this is stupid. only three years before they start nuking each other and things really go off the rails. Yeah. So, I mean, at the, at the time that he wrote this, in the world he wrote this in, people probably would have gotten it better. It would, and people, people who were like into this would have like said, I understand what he's going for. It was more like they just, they just understood this kind of shit because it was going on contemporarily contemporaneously that's the word um ain't putting the anus into really putting the anus into that um and so if we read it now you have to like you have to have knowledge of that shit it's like all it's like it's like fucking what is it war and peace where it's all about the goddamn napoleonic war like i don't know fucking anything about that at the time people would have known that shit or they would have at least had a better idea it's he didn't write this book thinking like in 70 years they're going to make kids read this in French class and they're really going to bomb. And it's like, it's not, you can't, it's hard to judge it based on that. Or would he if it's like, and that just shows how meaningless life is. (laughs) Trying to do this class is meaningless, so fuck it. (laughs) Well, we only got through chapter two, so. It was so meaningless you stopped. (laughs) Number two. Maybe Maybe you understood it because he's like, this, there's no point to this. And he's like, you got it. Stop reading. That was maybe he didn't write it for for native French speakers. That was it was like this crazy five dimensional meta game. He was One playing multi decade multi decade Risk or Stratego. <laughs> and now his yeah. If if there were an afterlife for him to look down on, he'd be like, "Fuck yes, very good, Nathan." <laughs> <laughs> I th- the thing is, like, this is one of those books that certainly, you know, uh, anytime I mention this list, you're like, fuck that list. It's on the thousand one books you must read before you die list. Of course. But it is, of course, a book list for book nerds. But, like, you can't, like, you need to study to read this book to get it. I had like, to read one to- child's essay. <laughs> Granted, I do not understand twice everything. at that point. <laughs> Well, I, I read the, you know, I read it. I read it back with like when I first started reading again. Like, oh, The Stranger. I've heard about that. That's famous, and I've never read it. And it's short. I'll read it. And I was like, wow, I didn't get that at all. And then I didn't like go looking. I was like, all right, next. But like, that's how now, I read. This is my second time reading yeah, it too. Now, as a more experienced reader, I still didn't get it. But I wasn't going to get it. But that's not the book's fault. The book served a purpose back then, and we're reading it without any context. Some things need context. Clues. <laughs> Something's. I mean, is that like, there's there's zero fucking clues in this? It's just like he's really. This is about absurdism. It's like, okay, now I know, but there's none. There's nothing it, like. It, by the way, it did help knowing that because when we did the plague, that was still like rattling around in my head when I started reading rereading this. Whenever Merceau was a total detached asshole, I was like, oh, okay, life doesn't mean anything. Got it. But then I feel like. Camus just spent his whole life trying to write the right book to tell people that message. It seems like that, right? Like, that was a big part of the He wrote a bunch of novels. I don't know what the rest are. I mean, you look at his list, and it's like, oh, yes, number one is the L'Etranger, whatever, or which is often translated as The Outsider. 
Um, not that it means anything. And then pony boy. The plague. <laughs> what? It's French pony boy. Oh. The <laughs> <laughs> garçon pony. <laughs> um, but yeah, his works include The Stranger, The Plague, The Myth of Sisyphus, which we mentioned at some point. That's an essay. And the Fall and the Rebel. His title is really is a great suck. name for a gay bar. But is that for dudes or girls? Yes. It depends on how you spell sissy, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's, sissy, it's sissy SpaceX gay bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's tired of acting. You need to make a lot of SpaceX for the fist. <laughs> <laughs> um, every, every night they uh, put a bucket over her head and drop it, but it's full of lube instead of blood. That's how you get in there. <laughs> Use your head, sissy. I like that, um, The Fall, which I've never fucking heard. It's his last complete fictional work, which I'm sure is the same stuff. The French title is La Chute. (laughs) It just lacks any gravity in English. (laughs) La Chute. Oh, okay. It's probably in French. Chou. C-H-U-T-E. How do you pronounce that? Okay, then yeah. Then you got the T. La Chute. (laughs) Whereas The Fall. (laughs) It sounds so Devastating. <laughs> la chute and la ladder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to fucking read that or The Rebel anytime soon. Isn't um, that his autobiography of, or his biography of Dean, Dean Martin? Or what the fuck it's was, actually what his saying? biography of Rebel Wilson. It's very... Uh, okay. <laughs> he's very wow, passionate. he's really ahead of his time. <laughs> uh, does this make you want to read any more Camus? No. Now that I've done the top two, I think I'm, I'm good. <laughs> the top two plus a high school essay? <laughs> yes. Maxed out? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Maybe when I finish yeah. everything else, I'll come back around. Yeah, I agree. But I did, I did like it. Every other book, then I'll... <laughs> yes. When really this book. is the last book left. It's like, after I read that 8,000th Chuck Tingle book, then I'll pick up. You know, honestly, we could read every Chuck Tingle book ever written in like a month. Right. Well, I have to think of a punishment book. Uh, I could just send you a zip file. <laughs> the Silmarillion of Chuck Tingles. <laughs> the the creation of assholes. <laughs> Tingle Marillion sounds like how a, a a Renaissance lord asks for a sexual favor. <laughs> I demand you, Tingle Marillion. <laughs> yes. Wilt thou? <laughs> I shall, my lord. (laughs) All right. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you're still listening this long, why not support us over at... Wait, what did you say? You said Instagram, Facebook, right? And if you want to support... Yeah, the same as every I other time. I confused. <laughs> and if you want to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash Drunk Guys Book Club. Sell the beer. Don't be a stranger. And uh, head over there to, to show us how much um, you'd like this. I don't know. And you can join us on Goodreads where we talk about our feelings. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.